It's good to see you all here tonight. It's a, it's a real encouragement as I look out over the congregation. It looks like a, a morning service. And uh, I know it takes a real commitment to come back. And uh, it's getting colder out and dark and all those things. And I commend you for your, your faithfulness and perseverance and uh, desire to be here this evening. So, thank you. I appreciate it immensely. I need a handout. If not, uh, tonight we continue on in our study of the Beatitudes. We are taking one Beatitude each week. Last week was blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We talked about that being a beggarly spirit in which we understand our great need of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the blessedness is that to those individuals belong the kingdom of heaven. Tonight, we look at the second beatitude, which is blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Uh, I have here the problems are common to all people. Job 5 verse 7 says, For man is born for trouble as sparks fly upward. There are many occasions in our lives for mourning. There are many times for us to manifest a, a sense of hurt, of sorrow, of need. And it is wonderful to know that God is the ultimate comforter when all others fail. Psalm 27, verse 10, is one of my favorite psalms. It says, When my father and mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. And I think that can be in two different ways. That can be in the aspect of even when our father and mother are not there, those are the people that you'd really expect to be faithful the people that you'd expect to stand by, the people that you have experienced their, their comfort in the past, even when they fail, God won't. I think the second is when they are no longer there to comfort you, when they die. I can remember as a child, I was always afraid that my parents were going to die. Uh, my mother is a warrior. That's where I get it. Uh, she worries about everything. And uh, she would worry about me as a little child of six and seven years old out on the farm. Because there was a lot of ways in which you could get hurt. And so she was always warning me, don't do this, don't do that. Realize this could happen. And this was her demeanor. And it got to the point where I thought that it was almost impossible to make it through the day without being killed. If you lived on a farm. And uh, I used to be afraid, truly, that uh, my dad was going to die while I was at school. And uh, I always had a, a good relationship to my, my parents. I can remember as a young teen praying and asking God that uh, he would spare my parents' life until I was 40. Why 40? I don't know. It seemed like that was really old at the time, you know, and uh, doesn't seem so old to me anymore. But at the time, that seemed really old. And I asked them to spare uh, my parents' uh, lives until I was 40. Well, 
my mother died when I was 40. Uh, I think God answered that prayer. But it is wonderful to know that when those that are nearest and dearest to us are not there to comfort us any longer, God is still there. The theme is, the people of God are blessed because they are comforted when they need comforting. Key verse, Matthew 5, verse 4, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Number one, those who are part of God's kingdom do mourn. Blessed are those who mourn. It doesn't say, blessed, and you shall not mourn. But rather, blessed are those who do mourn. Those who are part of God's kingdom and who mourn should not view themselves as cursed by God, but rather as blessed by God. If you have reason in your life to mourn tonight, and there are reasons, certainly we mourn the death of loved ones, there are many good and appropriate reasons to mourn. And we've all experienced mourning to some degree, some lesser, some greater. But we should never view those occasions for mourning as somehow God's judgment is coming to pass. That, that God is demonstrating his wrath or unacceptance of us because we are going through an occasion that mourning is the proper response. There are those that would give us the impression that if you are in the center of God's will, that everything will be fine. That if you are living as you should, there is no cause for mourning and for grief. But that simply is not true. And we are told of the person of Jesus in the book of Isaiah, that he is a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Jesus had numerous occasions to mourn. He expressed grief. B, in this verse, the blessedness is not to be found in the morning, however. Now, I'm going to put a little caveat in number two. But the point of verse 4 is that the blessedness is not the mourning in of itself, but the blessedness is the comfort that one receives in the morning. For they will be comforted. However, the Bible does teach that there are certain benefits that can be derived from mourning. First of all, to mourn over sin is the essence of true repentance. Joel chapter 2, verse 12. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart and with fasting and weeping and mourning. Alright? There ought to be a sense of heartache over our sin. And some people know that tremendous heartache over sin. A sense of regret. A sense of remorse. A wishing that we could go back and do it all over again and do it right this time. That we come to a recognition that, that we are truly sorry 
for what we have done and perhaps what we've done to others and the outcropping of all of that, the, the outcomes that are a result of our sinful behaviors. And we mourn. Well, blessed is that mourning for you're going to be comforted. You're going to be assured of God's forgiveness and God's acceptance. It's wonderful to know that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so we can be assured of God's acceptance and be comforted. To mourn the death of a loved one can be spiritually helpful to us. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 2, it is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. For death is the destiny of every man. The living should take it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, because a sad face is good for the heart. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning. Uh, We need to understand mourning. We need to understand the realities of life. And to be in a situation where people mourn, it puts life in perspective. We understand what is important. It's good, helpful, spiritually, to visit the hospital and to see people and go away with a sense of thankfulness that we're able to be at home, that we're able to take care of ourselves, to thank God that we are not in the situations that some people are in, that we can be thankful. It causes us, as I say, to to realize what life is all about. When we were uh, raising our uh, children, one of the things that Bonnie and I thought was important was that we would expose our daughters to death at a very young age, uh, that they would understand death and see people that had died. And so we took them when they were very, very, very little to funerals. And we wanted them to experience death before they experienced the death in the family. I didn't want the uh, funeral of my mother or the funeral of my father to be the very first funeral that, that they attended or the funeral on Bonnie's side. I wanted them to be able to be a little bit uh, apart from that emotionally and uh, try to understand, be able to explain to them what has happened, what, what occurs when a person dies so that they would be ready, so that they would be equipped and uh, be acclimated for the time in which they are going to experience the death of someone that was very close to them. Uh, so mourning can be a learning experience. And see, to mourn in general makes us far more sympathetic individuals and provides us a great means of witness. Praise be to the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. It is good to have experienced difficulties in our lives so that when we have experienced God's comfort, we can share that comfort with others. 
2 Corinthians 1.6. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If you are comforted, it is for, if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. Uh, I have used this illustration before, but there's always new people among us. Uh, I had uh, real heart problems when I was in my very early 20s. I was playing basketball and uh, passed out on a basketball court, was rushed to the hospital, and uh, was told, uh, not directly but indirectly, I heard the doctor say to the nurse that they didn't expect that I was going to live that night and they needed to notify my parents. And I have shared with you some of the thoughts that went through my mind, some of the fears, some of the concerns of uh, would I be in God's presence. I knew better. I was a student in Bible college. I knew what salvation was all about. But there were those doubts. There were those uncertainties. There were those fears. Uh, I thank God. I really do. For those experiences when I was in my early 20s. I think it has given me a far better understanding when I stand by the bedside of someone that's in the hospital. I understand fears. I understand some of the thoughts that go through people's minds. I understand the night sweats. I really do. And I also know the comfort that there is in just being reassured once again of what we already know to be true. Sometimes we just have to hear it again from a calm and soothing voice, a reassurance of what we know to be true. So the heartache that we have gone through uh, provides us a unique opportunity to help somebody else in that same hardship. Whether it be dealing with a, a stillborn and uh, then helping someone else who is experiencing a stillborn or a miscarriage. Whether it be uh, death in the family, whether it be a divorce, whatever the situation may be, the comfort that we are able to receive from God can be a tremendous blessing to others if we are able to share with them what God has taught us as a result. It gives us a spirit of, of uh, compassion. Compassion. And there's a difference between compassion and sympathy. Compassion is a, a, a general feeling of concern and tenderness for what someone else is going through. If we see someone that the tears well up in their eyes, there, there ought to be just a natural response of concern and tenderness. It's not a time to rebuke. That's not a time to, to uh, chastise. It's a recognition. Here is a person who is hurting. What can I do for that individual? That is compassion. Uh, Eric spoke on weeping with those that weep and laughing with those that laugh. laugh. Compassion weeps with those that weep. But sympathy, sympathy is different from compassion. Sympathy is actually entering into the emotions of what someone else is going through. And that requires to some degree that we have experienced what they are going through. If we can have the same experience, uh, the, 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 the same difficulty, 
it gives us a greater awareness, a greater appreciation of some of the, the difficulties, some of the, the hardships, some of the trials that other people experience. A bad illustration, to be sure, because it's not a tragedy. But I tell you, it's a new perspective. I remember, you know, we, had, we lived in the parsonage. And then uh, we bought our own home. And uh, this home, which is a real blessing of God, one of the difficulties is uh, the basement floods all the time. Not all, no, frequently. And the first time it flooded, it really flooded. I mean, we had about, oh, five feet of water, I guess, in it, maybe, maybe a little less. But man, was it work, you know, getting that out, and it was muddy and all this kind of stuff. Well, the next time I heard that somebody had a lot of water in their basement, all of a sudden I understood for the first time what that means in terms of work, in terms of how, what it takes to get this back. You know, what I'm saying is I entered into that with, with a greater awareness of what does that mean? What's the impact of that? What's the fallout? So when you experience a death, you experience the death of a, a, a spouse or or uh, a mate, you, if you've gone through that, you know what it is all of a sudden to come to those special days and they are not there. You understand what it means to wake up in the morning. You know what it means to, to, to eat by yourself and not have that person with you. you. You understand the ramifications of that in ways that, that other people can only imagine. I described it. I haven't gone through that. I don't really know what that's like. I don't look forward to. Uh, it would be a, a tremendous tragedy in my life if my, my wife were to die. Uh, she's my best friend. She's the closest person to me on earth. And, and it's hard for me to imagine what that would be like. But I know without a doubt it would be painful. Painful. And unpleasant. And there would be this huge vacancy. I can conceive of that. I haven't experienced it, but I can conceive of it. Compassion can conceive, but sympathy can actually enter into it. It actually has the ability to feel what other people feel. And so, we are able then to comfort them with the comfort with which we have been uh, comforted. Three, the blessedness is not a reward for having sought comfort. The verb is in the passive. Thus, the subject is not doing the action, but the subject is being acted upon. So, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Number one, the text is not stating, blessed are you when you seek comfort. The exhortation is not an exhortation even to seek comfort from God. Rather, the text is speaking about the blessedness that we who are the people of God enjoy as a result of belonging to Christ's kingdom. Namely, that we receive comfort when we mourn. I said to you that we should have compassion upon those that we see with tears in their eyes. They shouldn't have to come up to us and say, would you be compassionate to me? We just are compassionate. And we certainly are with our loved ones. We see our, our kids, they fall down and 
hurt themselves. It's our natural tendency to pick them up, sit them on their lap, hold them, tell them they'll be okay, try to reassure them. Uh, that is what God does for His people. Regardless whether we seek it or not, we are indeed comforted by God. So they... There is a comfort that God's people receive when they mourn that others do not receive. Brothers, we want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. So there are a number of reasons as to why we are blessed as a people of God when we mourn. The first is because we have hope. And we've been talking a lot about death. But the hope is we'll see that person again. The hope is we're going to rise. The hope is that that person is now in a state of bliss as, as opposed to a state of misery and hardship, etc., etc. There's a lot of reason for hope that is unique to the Christian. That someone who doesn't know the Lord doesn't have. I remember I, I did a funeral one time. Uh, I had uh, been called by Rollins. There was a, a family there that they were seeking to have a, a service, and they had no religious background whatsoever. They didn't know any minister. They didn't know anyone. And so I got a phone call from the funeral home and asked if, if I would do the, the service and minister to this family. And I said I'd be pleased to do so. But I remember I went and I talked with them, and we planned the service and I tried to present the gospel to them. But the husband obviously was, was grieving tremendously. And when it came time to do the service, it was a very, very small service. Very few people attended. And it was in the funeral home itself. And when the husband showed up, he was drunk. He was just wasted. Obviously sorrowful, obviously grieving, and it was the only comfort that he knew to find. He found his comfort in a bottle. And so there he was, drunk as a skunk, and it came time to close the casket. And it was one of the most horrendous experiences I've ever had, because he tried to climb into the casket with his dead wife. He literally tried to, to climb in to hug her. I don't know what he's going to do after that, but, but he wanted to get into that casket and myself and the funeral director had to uh, restrain him. How sad. How sad. Uh, we sometimes take for granted the comfort that we have as a people of God. And we should understand how blessed we are. Lamentations 1, 8 and 9. Jerusalem has sinned greatly, and so has become unclean. All who honored her despise her, for they have seen her nakedness. She herself groans and runs away. Her filthiness clung to her skirts. She not consider her future. Her fall was astounding. There was no one to comfort her. Look, O Lord, on my affliction, for the enemy has triumphed. Uh, there are times when everyone forsakes us. 
Everyone forsakes us. Probably an exaggeration. But when Jesus died on the cross, everyone forsook him. Literally. He was there, and his disciples did not stand by him. But the most incredible thought to me is those words that Jesus utters when he's on the cross and says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It's one thing to be forsaken by your friends. It's another to be forsaken by God. Meaning that God did not help him. God did not comfort him. Jesus experienced the full measure of the wrath of God. Jesus was not comforted on the cross. When Jesus prayed in the garden, prayed with great anxiety, tears as drops of blood, and he said, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Remember what happens next? An angel of God is sent to comfort Jesus. There is no angel sent when he's on the cross. No comfort experienced from God the Father. We should be comforted in knowing the promise of God to us is, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. There will never be a time, there will never be an occasion, there will never be an instance in which God forsakes us. That God fails to have compassion upon us. But the us is the people of God. Others will be forsaken. So, Lamentations 1.16. This is why I weep and why my eyes overflow with tears. No one is near to comfort me. Number four, the blessedness of those who mourn is that they will receive the comfort from another. That other person is no less than the Holy Spirit. John 14.16. I will pray in the Father, he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Jesus says in this same passage, it's John chapter 14, starting with verse 1, a very, very familiar passage. Uh, in John 14, 1, uh, Jesus says, you believe in God, believe also in me. Uh, in my Father's house are many mansions. If we're not so, I will have told you. And he is comforting his disciples. And Jesus' words of comfort is that he is going to be with the Father. But he says, if I go to be with the Father, I will send to you another comforter. That is the Holy Spirit. Uh, we don't have the opportunity to walk with Jesus. That must have been an incredible experience. can't imagine what that was like for the disciples. To walk with Jesus. To go where Jesus went. To experience what Jesus experienced. I can't imagine what it would have been like to be an eyewitness of, of the miracles. To be in that boat that was about to sink. And all of a sudden the waves and wind are calmed and they are immediately at their destination. I can't imagine what that was like. 
But even the disciples in their earthly ministry were not always with Jesus. There were times in which they were sent out, apart from Jesus. Not there. Uh, not in their midst. The promise of the word of God is, I will send you another comforter, the Holy Spirit. And we have the knowledge that the Holy Spirit is always, always with us. We never, ever are anywhere that the Holy Spirit is not with us. We never go in and out of his presence. Never an experience that we go through where he is not there for us. The Holy Spirit comforts us how? With the truth. The Holy Spirit comforts us by teaching us the truth. He shall teach you all things. Uh, spiritual truths are enigma apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. He's the one who opens our eyes and gives us understanding. Uh, he's the one that applies the word of God to our lives. But secondly, the Holy Spirit comforts us by reminding us of the truth. For the Comforter, when the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Uh, that the Holy Spirit will bring to our remembrance things that we already know. Things that we have forgotten. Truths that... Uh, are somehow forgotten. And yet, when the time comes, when difficulty comes, he reminds us of what we have heard. A message that we have, we have heard. A scripture passage that we have read. A lesson that we may have taught to others. And all of a sudden, those truths come back to us. He comforts us in reminding us of the truth. Secondly, the Holy Spirit comforts us by testing, by testifying to our hearts that the reality of Christ's finished work. But when the Comforter is come, and then at the end of that verse it says, He shall testify of me. The Holy Spirit testifies to our acceptance with God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. There's that, that work of God in our lives that reassures us that we are his children. I, I gave you the example when I said that uh, I heard I wasn't going to live the night and I was fearful. I was concerned. I wondered if God would accept me. Two hours later, I had peace. Where did it come from? The Holy Spirit reminded me of what I already knew to be true. The Holy Spirit allowed me to see that the word of God is clear as to how it is that a, a person can be assured that they're being in the presence of God. No one was there. No one talked to me. They didn't need to. God impressed on my heart truths that I already knew. The Holy Spirit testifies to God's love of us. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. It is the Holy Spirit that comforts us to know that God loves us. It's not like the dandelion, you know, or the daisy. You have to pick, he loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. Um, 
it's terrific to know that someone loves you deeply and is committed. Uh, my heart goes out to those that have gone through a divorce. I, I think that's got to be gut-wrenching. Uh, I think that's worse than somebody going through a death. Because at least that person left you without intention, without malice. But to have someone that just doesn't want anything to do with you again, as, as I say, has to be, be gut-wrenching. You are blessed tonight. If you have a marriage that, that you just have real confidence that this person is going to be with me the rest of my life. What a blessing that is. What a joy that is. And what a, a, a tremendous comfort it is to know that no matter what you do, God will always love you. And God will always accept you. That you can have 100% confidence tonight that if you die, you are going to be in the presence of God. You don't have to sit there and say, he loves me, he loves me not, he loves me, he loves me not. It's not based on how I live my life today. Uh, he loves us. And the Holy Spirit testifies to God's sovereign care of us. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. See, the Holy Spirit comforts us through a rebuke of the world. The Holy Spirit comforts us through a conviction that the thinking of this world has it wrong. The world word reprove means to expose or to convict. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he comes, he will reprove the world of sin. The word to reprove isn't to rebuke. It is to prove and really to prove again. It's, it's to assure us of the world's judgment. When everything is going wrong around you, it is the work of the Holy Spirit to convince you that the world's got it wrong and you've got it right. That's a great comfort. Because so many times as Christians, we're in the minority. And the tendency can be to question, especially in times of hardship. You're in mourning. And you're asking the question, why has this happened to me? Well, it's the Holy Spirit that convinces us that our faith is not in vain. That there is real basis for it. Indeed, the Holy Spirit comforts us by interceding for us in prayer. He knows, that what verse 27, and he searches the hearts, knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Uh, one of the most difficult times to pray is times of mourning. Sometimes we can cry out to God. But, but have you ever been in a situation in which you just really found it hard to pray? You don't know even how to express to God what you're thinking. 
You're just so down. And so downcast. That, that you don't even feel like praying. It's a blessing to have someone around to pray for you. A loved one. A visitor. People say, I'm praying for you. can be a great help at that time. But even more, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. The Holy Spirit is praying for us. The Holy Spirit is praying that God's will would be done in our lives. That is a great comfort. And it is unique to the child of God. All these are unique to the child of God. And then, five, we not only have the Holy Spirit to comfort us, but we also have God's people to comfort us. God's people are instructed to comfort one another. Isaiah 40, verse 1, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. B, God's people are to comfort one another with a comfort that they themselves have received from God, which we already talked about. Thus, again, comfort is unique to the Christian experience. God's people are to be comforted by seeing God work in the lives of others. Um, But you also may know about my circumstances, how I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make everything known to you. And I have sent him to you for this very purpose, so that you may know about us, and they may comfort your hearts. It's a great comfort to know that God is caring for our loved ones. We can't be there. Uh, We can't do anything. Uh, Sometimes people will say, all we can do is pray. That's a huge thing. That's more valuable than you're actually being present. It's a tremendous comfort to know when we are miles and miles and miles apart from our loved ones that we can pray for them. And that that has real meaning. And that has real purpose. So application here is a particular blessing that is unique to the kingdom people and associated with the kingdom people. And the ultimate comfort for those who mourn is to be found in the life to come. That future comfort is to be a comfort to us in the present age. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who has loved us and given us eternal comfort and good hope of grace comfort and strengthen your hearts. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Referring to the people of God. The future comfort will be total. Revelation 21, verse 4, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. God wipes the tears from our eyes. God does not wipe the tears from the eyes of all. One of the incredible thoughts is that our experience, our blessedness in Death is that God will comfort us. He will help us. He makes it all right. Those that die not knowing Christ are not comforted at all. They are in distress. They are in anguish. They are in torment. Forever and ever. Totally without comfort and any hope of being comforted. That's frightening. That's frightening. The blessing of the child of God is blessed 
are those that mourn because they'll be comforted. That's true of the child of God. It's not true of the one who doesn't belong to him. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your grace and goodness to us. We thank you for the comfort that you provide. A comfort that we have experienced and are going to experience more. Lord, help us to share with others that same comfort that we ourselves have been comforted with. And uh, Lord, we thank you for your mercy and your compassion upon us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. And you are dismissed.